Hi everyone, welcome to this new podcast, a luxury site in partnership with fashionnetwork.com. Today we're very lucky to welcome Alexandre Matissi, who's the founder of the beautiful brand Ami. He will talk to us about the development of his brand and his international journey. So have a nice day and a great podcast. Okay, I'm talking to Alexandre Matissi here in uh, Paris one of the, by far, one of the most interesting young designers that have emerged in Paris in the last 10 years. Um, Alexandre. Bonjour. Bonjour, Gaspé. <laughs> uh, Je te well, dis juste bonjour en français. Okay. I'm just going to say hello in French. All right. Bonjour, bonjour. Then I switch. Um, when, when did you first decide you wanted to be a designer and, and what was your dream when you decided to open your own house? Um, it came at a very young age, I think... Uh, around 15 years, 16 years old. Actually, I was, a, as a kid, a dancer. I used to be a ballet dancer when I was a, a child. And uh, it came very naturally, yeah, during my mid-teenage time, you know, uh, yeah, trying, starting to look at fashion, but in a way that more, not really imagining myself as a designer, but just being, um, yeah, excited by this world, you know. Back in the middle of the 90s, it was like Thierry Mugler, Jean-Paul Gaultier, the big shows, the beginning of something minimalistic with Prada and something kind of uh, very sexy with Tom Ford at Gucci. So there was like a temptation to just, you know, look at it and trying to, starting to just like, yeah, kind of like it. So did, did you sketch? Did you start to style? Sketching, yeah. I, so, dressing because, yourself? Because since I'm a kid, I was always sketching, designing, trying to put things together for entertaining my friends and my parents because as a dancer, you know, what I loved in the dancing thing was really the whole and the complete thing, you know, just not about dance, but the music, the costumes, the theatrality of this, you know, the idea of an opening and a closing uh, curtains at the beginning and the end of a show. So all that stuff really inspired me also into the in the fashion world. So, yeah, when I started to observe fashion shows, you know, at the TV, because at this time, no internet, um, I was really impressed. And this world starting to make me feel like maybe I could do something. So starting to sketch for sure. And then I came to Paris to study. To study at l'école du Perret, l'école du Perret. Born and raised in Normandy. Oh, you're a Norman. Yes, I'm, I'm a Norman because I was born there. But uh, you know, my parents family. are. No, no, I don't have any family there because my parents just moved uh, from Paris to Normandy so when Ma they. Matthew is. It's Italian. My, Italian. my father is Italian. Oh, you're, he's a real, born in Italy. Uh, not born. But his parents, yes, uh, from, from Italy, from Venezia in Firenze. From, ah, okay. Yes, and they, yeah, and they came. And they came uh, Mm, yeah, beginning of yeah, nearly like 25, 1925, 1930, so a long time ago. There's a rich tradition of Italian origin designers from uh, Pierre Carda, Cardini to uh, Manuel Longaro, just thinking of just the two. Uh, now, you went, you studied here in Paris at Le... L'Ecole du Perret. L'Ecole du Perret. Quite an interesting school, which generated a lot of interesting designers. Yeah, it was like it was yeah, back in the days. It was very about again no computer, no internet, no. So it was really about being creative, trying to find an idea, trying. My my teachers was Pierre Hardy, for example, 
uh, and it was a great teacher for me. And actually, uh, I had like very great memories working with him because he was really into trying to guide us to an original idea. So it has been. I, I, stay, I stayed like maybe two or three years at the school, and then I, I, yeah, I really, I really was into. Yeah, I want to be a designer at this time. When I arrived at school, I, I was not sure, but at the end of the degree, I was like, okay, this is maybe the, the story of my life. So then you worked for several very famous mm -hmm. places. What was your first step? Dior. Dior at the time With where Eddie? Eddie, Eddie was there, but I was working on a second line, second collection. Ah called at this time 30 Avenue Montaigne, which was like a little bit more classical. It was really at the beginning of Eddie's, uh, Eddie's project. Yeah, I was in this fantastic time, you know, when Eddie took over the house and it was kind of amazing, I have to say. And yes, it, it, it definitely shaped my idea of the menswear because it was menswear. What way? I've always been um, very... I like the word classic in a, in a way, like very about the wardrobe, about the real clothes, about like a jacket, a shirt, trousers. And I think Hedy was really into that too, you know, and still today when he's designing something, there is always something very real about his designs. And actually I, I felt very, yeah, very okay with that. I, I felt like very inspired by this idea of not trying too hard, but actually it was super modern like 20 years ago. And it was kind of even sometimes shocking. But if you look back at the pictures of Eddie's work at Dior, it was very simple at the end. It was about a black, you know, tuxedo, white T-shirt, the beautiful pair of jeans. The skinny silhouette was really into, you know, something we talked a lot about at this time. But if you look back at the clothing uh, themselves, it was kind of precise and, and simple in a way. There was nothing asymmetric. Yeah, no, it was Japanese really like, no, it's like jacket, two sleeves, like one shape uh, color, yeah, yeah. a very nice fitted trousers. So, so probably and unconsciously, it, it gives me the base of what I would love to do if I still keep in fashion. You worked there for a couple of years and then you moved to... I moved... Actually, I, I stayed one year and a half at Dior. Then I, I had this crazy idea to launch my first brand <laughs> uh, for two years, which was a, a fantastic time for me because I was definitely not ready to make it happen in a strong way. But it has been my first experience for myself trying to figure out how it works to deal a small company, buying my fabrics myself... Um, making my sale appointments by myself uh, at the hotel lobbies, designing, sketching, producing, delivering, doing account uh, accountability. So, you know, uh, everything was done in my, in my home. So it lasts actually two years and it was great. I didn't get any, any money, but I didn't lose any money too. What did you call that brand? It was called Ami too. Already? Yeah, already, yes. Ami. Because Ami, you know, is the first letters of my, the A from Alexander, the M from Matusi, and the last letter from my name. So it had always been like that. I, I knew that from, from a very long time that maybe one day I will do something with this word because it's really relied to me. So, and then I, I moved to Givenchy. Where I spy. So you closed the business. I closed the business. I, I've been called for a, you know an interview for being an assistant, like the first assistant of the new creative director at With this time, Oswald Boteng, actually. Oh, it was Oswald Boteng. Oswald Boteng took took the menswear collection at this I time in 2004. He, he did a video of the first uh, crazy videos, actually. You know, 
It, I was 24. We didn't know who he really was. And LVMH yeah, just, you know, announced nomination. And actually, he did a kind of casting for recruitment. You know, he said, I want to meet everyone. I think he met, like, everyone for being his first assistant. And it was like a kind of... Uh, Yeah, American Idol casting. We went like <laughs> 100, then 50, then 20, then 10, then 5, then 4, then 2. And I've been chosen. And you got the job. I got the job because I was very young, quite inexperienced. But uh, in the same time, I think uh, this, this guy had a great energy, like a fantastic energy. And, and actually, yeah, we, we, tried, we tried to work together for... We spent two years and a half together before. Also, in a, in a very different way, different. a talented tailor. Completely different, uh -huh. but we, we we have to say now because I, I met him like a few 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 years ago again, and we yeah. talked about this period yeah. together. We didn't know what to do actually. He didn't know what to do. He didn't have actually all the skills to be you know that kind of creative director at this level. But I remember him really like a fantastic human being. We had like fantastic conversations together. I don't remember exactly what we've done in terms of fashion, but anyway, this is not what I keep from that time. I really keep that energy we shared together. Oh, that's interesting. He uh, always, I, I, I met him uh, my first month in Paris. He uh, had taken a VW bus, you know, like a surfer's bus, and he had a van and he drove driven from London to Paris to show his collection just like that I made a little video of it well it was a film a little 16 millimeter film and he walked he just walked right into the door into the office of Women's Wear Daily and announced himself I, I've rarely seen a more self-confident designer in he my was life. so self-confident yeah. so <laughs> ambitious so so funny he was he's a great guy you know I, I, I I do believe that he's going to have his time again for lots of reasons now and for everything is happening in the world right now. I think he deserves to tell something because he's a, he's a nice guy. After that, I've been, uh, I skipped to Marc Jacobs uh, for the menswear collection. Still within LVMH. Yeah, 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 it was yeah. LVMH. I don't know. I'm a, I always say I'm an <laughs> LVMH kid. Uh, yeah, yeah, they, they, they asked me if I'm, I, I would be interested to, to go there. It was really in the middle of the economical crisis in 2008. So I had to move to New York, but... With we, Mark. With Mark uh, working on the men's collection. Mark was not involved in this collection, actually. Okay. It was in Paris, between Paris, New York and Italy, because this collection was made with staff international with uh, Renzo Rosso. But this was Marc Jacobs, not Vuitton. No, yes, Marc Jacobs. The Marc Jacobs uh, menswear line. Uh, uh, and actually, this collection was directed by Joe McKenna as a consultant, but he was completely, you know, in it. And, uh, and you would be going to Venice then, to the factory? and Factories, designing sessions in New York, and I was supposed to move to New York, uh, but because the economical crisis uh, came along the story, I, at the end, didn't want to go there yeah. because I felt maybe there is an opportunity for me to, to stay here and to maybe start to work on my own project. So what year? You start is 10 years this year. Nine years. Actually, yeah, I built, I built the company in 2010 yeah. and introduced um, Ami uh, with the first collection in January 2011. So Here in Paris? Yes. So this a is show, my... A show, a collection, a runway show? No, no. It was a presentation in a 
a tiny bar uh, close to Place des Victoires yeah. here in Paris. Ten models, ten guys, yeah, yeah. Uh, 20 people coming to see the collection, some journalists, some friends, yeah. my parents for sure. But it was a very, very tiny presentation. And uh, it was the beginning of something, yes. It happened very, very quickly and it worked, uh, yeah, till the very first first day. When you do that first step, that's the second time again, so you were much I'm more I'm prepared, prepared, yeah. yeah. I, I took one year and a half to prepare just right after Mark Jacobs when I quit it I knew and I had to really focus on the story I was going to tell I was really about finding the good producers manufacturers to be assured to make this collection happen in a very professional way I find money for that I, I, I ask for some you know business angels to be part of the story to, to, invest, in the to invest in the company because I had no money to be honest and uh, and I didn't want to struggle how much money did you, you... actually I raised 250 250,000 euros, yeah. Yeah, because I said, and we, this is the business plan I do, I've done at this time to be sure that from day one, if I don't sell anything, I need to be sure that I can live for one year, okay. minimum, yeah. you know. Yeah. But uh, fortunately, we, we sold the collection right away. So we had like a strong turnover the, day, the, the first who, who year. Who bought it right away, out of curiosity? Which? First day, Mr. Porter. They were born the same, you know, 2010, 2011. Yeah. Uh, we did like, this fantastic partnership with Mr. Porter. We did the partnership with Barney's at this time, an yes. exclusive distribution for the US. We did Corso Como in Milano. And we did Le Bon Marché in Paris. All the right people. Yeah, first season. Those were the key ones. So already you knew. Yeah, and, and you know, like kind of, you know, a strong orders. So, yeah, yeah. so from, yeah, from the first, yeah, first season, I, I think I sold, I remember, like uh, 20,000 pieces. Oh, so already that was quite a lot of revenue. Yeah, it was like I, I could make like a strong production. My suppliers were super happy. I had uh, 20, the, 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 so first, the, the first year, sorry. The first year was like 20,000 pieces. So you're selling a couple of million already. Not a million, but yeah, yeah. nearly, nearly, uh, yeah. Yeah it's, it's big, yeah, it's becoming So you quite knew big. that you were given, that gave you the self-confidence. Self-confidence and uh, press were there, uh, customers were there from, from, from the beginning. And this is like what I'm the most proud of today is like to see that people who were the customer at the really beginning are still, are still most of them are still here and still buying the, the brand. What define the DNA of Ami? I would say like in terms of philosophy and in terms of energy, I can say that we are um, a very happy brand. You know, we really love what we're doing. We are still like super passionate about what we're doing. Yeah. We really concentrate and focus on clothing. We always ask about, do we want to wear this? Do we want to see someone wearing this? And we share that point of view with the people like, you know, who works with me and my friends and my family. And I'm really into that kind of conversation that we still keep going, you know, about are we going in the right direction? Because do you still see yourself wearing this? I'm not my first, you know, uh, ambassador, but in a way I trust myself and I can say that I want to wear that kind of stuff. So this, I say, I would say happiness. I would say simplicity, honesty, good quality for sure, good price for sure, because I think it's kind of part of the success of the brand. We have been from the beginning at a level of price, which was kind of, you know, good. 
I think, and still today, that really helped me to enter into the market with a strong kind of point of view. At this time, you know, back in the days where we didn't have that kind of, you know, creative and easy, classic, effortless brand, mm -hmm. but still, you know, working on good fabrics, on good fabrication, on good proportions and, and design. And uh, You don't say... Parisian or French. Yeah, yeah, for or... sure. No, I say, I say because it's like, like super Parisian. But I don't want to say too much because I felt like, you know, we are so Parisian, you know, and actually this is the way the brand is seen from the outside. So for sure, Japanese, Chinese, or even an American guy see us as a really strong French brand. And actually this is what I try to do because I'm inspired by the way I live here and the people I know here, and I'm still very inspired by this kind of, yes, very strong Parisian energy. But in the same time, does that mean really something to say this is a Parisian brand when everyone is wearing the kind, same of, you know, of clothes everywhere in the world today? So, yeah, it's definitely French because I'm there, here. There was, you know, in the last several years in, 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 in menswear, there was this giant kind of invasion of streetwear and, 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 and logos and color and athleticism and bling. Uh, and, uh, but you have resisted that. I, I, I don't know if I resist, but I feel like I like to mix things, you know, from a personal point of view, the way I dress myself. It's really about mixing that kind of, and actually maybe this is the old fashioned way to say it, but the kind of, you know, classic and casual, you know, and classic and streetwear too. Maybe sounds stupid when I say it, but I like the way I dress today. You know, I'm having a suit, a t-shirt and a pair of white trainers. So now it's, it's, it's definitely something that everyone is wearing. But at the beginning, still like, you know, nine years ago, this is the kind of beginning of the streetwear thing, the way to mix a suit with a pair of, t pair of trainers or a T-shirt. But today, yeah, I, I put that kind of streetwear idea in my collection, but in a very natural way. I don't want to say I'm a streetwear brand because I don't, you know, I'm not a streetwear brand, definitely. But, but I take some ideas from the streetwear wardrobe to, to add it in my, in my you know, wardrobe. When did you open your first store? First store opened the 12th, 12th, 12th. The 12th December of 2012. On... Uh, on Boulevard Beaumarchais, uh, yeah, yeah, in the Marais. Near uh, the Cirque d'Hiver. Yeah. That's still your, your original flagship. Yeah, it's still there. We, we make uh, some uh, hard well, work. What was the store a, before? It was, uh, actually, it was an architect thing, like they... They sold like materials for architects. Oh, okay. okay. It was really, really not expensive at this time. Merci was there since a couple of years. Yeah. The Merci store, you know. Actually, the boulevard was quite empty because there was still like at this time photographs, you know, stores and motorcycle stores. But it was not really a fashion now destination. Now it's become a fashion destination very much. And we were the first one actually to open the store there. And uh, today there is a lot of people around, but uh, yeah, I, st I still love very much this, this location. What did you want to say when you opened the store aesthetically? 
What, what statement do you want to make of the architect? I really want... So we worked with Studio KO, Studio KO, Carl and Olivier, uh, Olivier Marty and Carl Fournier. Right. Actually, I really love their work at this time. Yeah. Uh, we've been introduced and we really wanted... Because they didn't do any retail things in fashion before at this time. Yeah. They did it a little bit after, but it was a conversation about, for sure, I was really into, again, that old-fashioned way to open a retail store. I really wanted to make it like very chaleureux, very classic, using wood and mirrors and like heavy curtains, having like a very warm light in it. I really wanted to make it sound and to make it look as an old like Parisian apartment. So there are still that kind of details in the, the new openings we're doing now in Asia, for example. There are still like that kind of vibes. For sure, it has it has evolved, but I think it's really part of the image of the brand because we have like ten stores today now. Is that what you have? You have ten stores. Now, yeah, we opened two one like this week to next week. One in in Shanghai and one in Korea. Your own? These are franchises yeah. or your own? No, no, it's, it's our own. Yes, it's directly. Uh, so, have us. you gone back to business angels again? You're, or you've been able to fund your own development largely? Yeah, yeah. We opened the the capital. I don't know the way. The way we had investors. Oh. They came like a few years ago. I still have the majority of the brand, so I'm still have the yeah. I'm still the president, the creative director, <laughs> the founder, the. Yeah, we, we yeah, I, I still keep it and I'm I'm gonna still keep it for a long time. But um, May I ask what are your annual sales today? I never say the the okay. figures. Yeah, I don't know why, but I feel like yeah. I feel it I don't want to say the, the figures. Yeah. You know why? Because I feel it's always it's always mis misinterpreted, mis misinterpreted. Misinterpreted, yeah. I always say because you know it's like Money, it's not about like the French thing, the saying I don't want to say because it doesn't, it's not about that. I'm not shy about figures, but I feel like people don't understand what does that mean if you give like a final turnover. Uh, okay. Because it costs a lot of money to deal like, you know, 140 people working for me to open store, to make shows. So you have to, to show the balance to make it, you know, feel but, real. So that's how many people work for you? 140, like around 140 today. That's a lot. A it's lot. like 100 in Paris and 40 in uh, London, Japan, China, Korea, a little bit everywhere. Why did you decide to do women's wear and when did you do that? I'm surrounded by women since I'm a kid. I love women, I love girls. And because I've been like... Um, accidentally uh, a menswear fashion designer because I started my career at Dior and then Givenchy and Marc Jacobs. So for me, it was really relevant to start I mean, as a menswear brand because this is where my skills were. Yeah, yeah. But in the same times, I saw my girlfriends around me starting to look at the collection and starting to say, mm, I would love to try this, this, um, this trousers or this shirt. And it, it worked very well. And we were at this time, like again, a few years ago, where girls were... It was not a trend, yeah, but it was yeah. really about, okay, we are allowed to wear a, like a men's jacket yeah. or men's trousers or women's shirt, like men's shirt, sorry, to mix things together. And very naturally, they came in the stores. So they started to be a kind of, you know, a strong part of the business, you know. For example, at, uh, in Korea, for example, today, actually a few years ago, with the menswear collection, it was 50%, it was women's buying the men's clothes. Oh. So it was really interesting to see that with like, so it was a logical progression. A logical thing. I was really into saying maybe let's try women's wear, but not in the way that I'm going to start with like a, a dress or a skirt. So 
it was really doing the men's for women's. So I called it like l'homme pour la femme at this time. Oh. It worked very well. And then I was like kind of frustrated because, you know, when you do a jacket, a trousers, a coat and a shirt, yeah. you want more, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had a very nice conversations with my girlfriends and my friends and everyone said, Okay, let's 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 try women's wear. You should do it. You should do a, a heel on the shoe. You should try jewelry. You, you you should try like skirts and and dresses. And and now yeah, it's definitely something I assume because you know you never feel legitimate when you are a men's wear designer. At the conversation we had just before, to try to start women's wear because you feel like the industry is looking at you and trying to see if they're going to make it happen, you know. And I take my time. I don't care about people, what they say. I just feel, feel like my, my customers are the, the only one that gives me the reason or not to do it. When did you do you put a first show with women on, on a, on a, it on a was, I had like few girls on the winter 18, but definitely the first collection mixed men's and women's yeah. equally. 50-50. It yeah. was like uh, the fall winter... 2019 collection, the one I showed at the Palais Chaillot with the Eiffel Tower and the curtains. I think for the um, benefit of our audience, it's important to, to remember that, I remember when I first began to see your collections, you were showing um, along the Seine, underneath the the building, uh, the Efim building, you know, it was quite... Uh, organic and youthful and quite colorful. There was an optimism about it, but it was kind of a very indie project. So to see you show in the Palais de Chaillot with giant curtains, a, a much more sophisticated setting, showed a very big progression as a designer. Did you feel that when yeah, you were yeah, showing Yeah, this it? is what I wanted to do because I felt I have to actually assume also the way we became, you know, we, we, we changed, you know, and I like this idea of a brand has to progress, has to change, has to move forward and has to never hesitate to, to, to disturb a little bit the whole thing, you know, and I had in me something that I really wanted to assume, not feeling, you know, um, guilty about, yeah, you know. Not having a complex. Exactly, you know. I said, okay, my, I'm, I'm having my seven or eight years. I'm strong. We have a strong business. We are now, uh, we have a, like a, a worldwide distribution. And I want to assume that kind of more sophisticated, more luxurious idea of the brand because élever le projet vers le haut, quoi. C'était... And take it to another level. Exactly. And I think it was the right timing to do it. And it was the same idea with my collaboration with the last photographers I worked with, with Michael Belegetz or Paolo Reversi recently, just to give a kind of strong, you know, idea of beauty and timeless and sophisticated thing. Well, uh, you, you then took it to another level again with a more theatrical, grander show in the Grand Palais. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the kind of place where one expects to see... Chanel, or, exactly. you know, a giant, you know, like a global billion-dollar brand, you know? I never hesitate now to say it big, you know, because when you start a business, <laughs> yeah. you are very shy. I was shy, you know, 10 years ago, and I feel like I haven't wasted my time, but, you know, I think it takes time to, to, to experience. It takes time to know yourself. It takes time to understand how it's working. And at a certain level, I feel like... I deserve also, I don't feel, you know, embarrassed 
when I've been invited to show my collection in Le Grand Palais. And actually, when they asked us, they said, we have an opportunity for you. Maybe there is like a free you know, slot on it and maybe you can do it. We said, at Le Grand Palais, it's too big. Carl was just like, you know, passed away a few months ago, a few months before. And actually, Chanel gave the authorization for us to show there because we had to ask them, okay, don't, don't you mind if Amigo there? It must have been a lot of money. No, not so much, not so much. They wanted to have a young brand. Yeah, yeah. They, did, they did want to, you know, to, to give also another, another perspective yes, for yes, Le Grand Palais, yes. for, because this city des, it belongs to everyone. So I think this is what I said to myself, okay, Le Grand Palais is not just about Chanel, it has to be also something we can fit in. And uh, so that's why actually I made it like very humble and simple. I just put shares chairs around a circle yes, and sort of school chairs yeah i didn't want to build like you know a rocket no, you something like that space, i know. use a space and uh, i try to make it like a two concentric circles exactly and concentrate into the clothes themselves because at the end i'm i'm known for you know trying to make some theatrical presentation with like a, a trick or an idea or setup or something but on this one i really wanted to make it like the most simple um, as it can be you are a graduate from Pernay, and um, uh, you know there are other great schools here. You know from Efim, or you know um, uh, there's Marangoni, and there are quite a few schools in Paris. But somehow, when people think of great fashion schools and graduates, there's still an international perception that they come out of St Martin's or FIT much more than Paris. Do you think that's fair? And if it if it is true, I think it is true. It is. Uh, why, why is that? I don't, I don't know. I think Paris is like, we take, yeah, I feel like there is a French way yeah. to take our time, you know. We have like, a, <laughs> the way we live our lives here, we, uh, we've been, uh, we are en, envied. People yeah. are very kind of jealous of the way we live our lives. To have like a, <laughs> you think? A, I think so. You know, when I was working in New York, I was like feeling so French, you know, because... <laughs> and I'm, 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 I'm a hard worker, you know, I'm not, I'm not lazy at all. But I remember this time, you know, the first day I was there, you know, trying to escape for lunchtime. Yeah, yes. And they looked at me like, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to have lunch. And they say, ah, oh, you know, it's like better if you take a sandwich quickly before front of your computer. Brown <laughs> yeah. And I say, ah, oh, this is funny because I don't think the way we live our lives, you know, uh, makes us, you know less effective in the way we work, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But again, you know, I think the way we study art or fashion in the French schools at this time, you know, back in the days, was really cool, you know? No pressure, you know? And I feel, I feel like the EFM school are really changing the game now. I think in a few years, we will be able to say that we can definitely compete with like the other St. Martins or... You know, the other school. I think you're probably right. I think also it's interesting that France's cousin is Belgium, and an awful lot of designers also come from Lacombe, won again today, uh, uh, nominated in Courage. But do you think there's also, in a way, a kind of Anglo Saxon lobby of American Vogue and English newspapers and editors and websites who promote this idea that it's a Probably they maybe are stronger and 
yeah. better organized. But <laughs> but France is a small country. We have to say that you know the Anglo-Saxons definitely mm. reach a wider audience. You know, as French, we talk French, and you know, French community in the world is smaller, definitely. You yeah. know, so I feel like. That's something that's going to change because of the, bah, we are, we're already into it, but the social media mm. have definitely changed the rules and the world is shaped, shaped in, another, in another way now. So yeah. I don't feel like we, we need to think this way. I think, yeah, everybody are kind of equal. Everybody's an influencer. Yeah, everybody yeah. has a voice. Yeah. Everybody can make the things change quickly, very quickly. And this is the great thing about it. I think, yeah, the way, and I have to say that, that to you too, the journalist voice uh, uh. versus sometimes someone that, you know, have two or three million followers uh. on Instagram, sometimes have a stronger opinion. opinion. Um, you're talking about social media, um, the center of obsession nowadays, um, for so many people is uh, T-Mobile, it's, um, you know, Alibaba, it's the Chinese millennial. Um, and everyone, you know, that's the future. Everyone, every kind of marketer mm. does. What do you think of that, and how do you address that? How do you and me deal um, with that? To be honest, few years ago, because I didn't know China, I, I've yeah, never yeah. been there, oh, and oh. and I feel like sometimes um, bad on me. Huh? I had like maybe a bad idea of everything, you yeah. know, I was uh -huh. like kind of, you know, intimidated. Yes. Um, do I believe in a, in, a, in a business there? But everybody was telling me around me, we have to go there because they deserve and we deserve oh. all to be together. And actually, definitely since I've been there, I really believe that, you know, the world is big and we have to share this all together. So... Ami deserves to be in China, but deserves to be in the United States, to deserve to be in Europe, in London. So I'm completely okay with that because we have to know there is like one billion and a half people there. Uh, the, pr the perspective of growing business are definitely there. So, so yeah, we are really yeah, pushing the, the Asian side for Ami because there is like a fantastic opportunity and we have met like amazing people, great talents, strong ideas, very inspiring people, you know, and uh, this is a, just a question of open open mind. You know, we have to open our minds. And and as a young designer, because I'm not LVMH, you know, so uh -huh. I don't know that from the past. So I'm just discovering it from my point of view as a manager, a designer, a president of my company. I think there is like definitely something to do with 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 them. And actually, we're doing it, and we're doing it in a very nice way. And one and this kind of yeah, super cool. One of the key ways you've developed your, your brand and, and your and your great reputation is through fashion shows, often done in interesting locations, cleverly reinterpreted for the collection, each collection. When is your next collection? What can we expect? So first of all, <laughs> during this COVID like crazy time, yeah. uh, when we've been all agreed that it was really we had to show anything in June during the menswear fashion week. So when we all decided that's going to be cancelled like in a physical way, I was like completely okay with that because I felt like maybe there is an opportunity for everyone to just take off a little bit, like, you know, and to, to start to understand what we're going to do and what we're going to change. And because this pandemic will change, like for sure, everything we've done before. It has to change. Uh, some things can stay, something has to 
be, you know, deleted. So, so we've been patient. We had to sell this collection anyway because we, we produced it in a very difficult way because no factories, half-time, you know, uh, workers in the fabrics uh, suppliers. Uh, uh. Uh, my company, myself, we did like a kind of uh, chômage partiel. Um, so it has been tricky, but we succeeded to develop like a very beautiful small collection, very edited, uh, very straight to the point, uh, very 50, sincere. 50. Uh, we did men's and women's, and we sold actually the menswear collection in June, in July, actually in a digital showroom. Actually, it was fun, and it actually worked kind of well because ah. actually the customer we didn't invent anything new on this collection because they knew the fit, they knew the fabric, they knew everything. So we just tried to cook something with what we have in the fridge. So it was very like a natural way to cooking. So they really liked the collection, and we kept the women's collection pretending maybe we will be allowed to show in October. And we start to talk with La Fédération and we said we would love to be part of this Fashion Week because I believe that this collection and actually designers deserve to show their collection in the real world. When will you show in? We will show Saturday night, the 3rd of October. Uh, we close the day and so at 8 o'clock. Where will you show? I can't say. <laughs> No, because we, we still have, you know, okay. prefecture and everything, uh, authorization, yeah. because we're going to do it outside. And when you do a show outside, you have like lots of authorization. So we have something now. We cross our fingers, like uh, lots of fingers around the, the ID. Cross. Thank you, Godfrey, for crossing <laughs> yours. And uh, yeah, I'm very happy with this collection. I'm very happy with this show. And I think oh. this is an opportunity also for my clients, customers, partners, everyone to show that we are here stronger than ever oh. and this is a, my job is to do clothes and fashion shows I, I have a question I was looking today on the official government French website to get because I wanted to go and get tested and how you would do it you know just in case you know a couple of weeks beforehand and uh, they actually said you're not allowed uh, groups of more than 10 people to meet under French that's the regulations mm. what is the situation is there a special Dispensation for fashion, what has the Federation told you? We, well, first no. of all, no Asian coming to the show, no American, no, no, no okay. English, no, no Italian. So no. when you no. cut the list, uh, we still have French people around the table. Yeah. So that's going to be a French journalist, friends of the family, yeah. friends of, you know. Mm -mm. So I think we're we going to invite 150 people maximum. And the location is big enough to put everyone with like a, at least one meter you know, distance together. We will have masks, we will have gel hydroalcoolique, we, we will take care of our guests. And at the really, really end, if something is happening and we are not allowed to invite anyone, we will make like a kind of show for filming. We, we're going to have to film it anyway. Final question for you. Okay. Um, Ready. For <laughs> concentrated uh, for the um, for a young person, a young man or woman wanting to go into fashion, become a designer or something creative, what is the advice you would give them uh, if they were starting out or making the first steps? I will take maybe the advice uh, that I've been yeah, received a few years ago. That uh, in French it sounds like on donne les exercices les plus difficiles aux meilleurs élèves. So we give the most difficult exercise to the best 
students. That means that it's going to be difficult. Oh. It's a difficult journey. I've been lucky enough, everything went in a very nice way for myself, but it's a lot of work. You really have to believe in yourself. You really have to shape your idea to make it the most understandable as possible. It's a very difficult word to say in English. Yeah, just believe in yourself. Go very, very, yeah, very strongly, deeply. Don't hesitate. Yeah, straight to the point. And actually, my assistant, uh, Arthur, uh, he was working for me for the last eight years, actually. He came very, very early. And he just left the company a few months ago. And um, he has a project. And I remember, like, 2008, like really when I left from Mark Jacobs, 2009 actually, like more than 10 years ago, when I started to say to everyone, I'm, I think I'm going to launch my brand. Like 99% of the guys and people I knew at this time, they all said to me, you're crazy, don't do it. <laughs> Everybody said to me, don't do it. It's difficult. It costs a lot of money. It's not going to work. One said to me, okay, your project is doing clothes like a kind of classic wardrobe. Yes, don't do it. Like everybody, and everyone who said that to me reinforced, you know, the idea of, okay, I'm going to not prove them because I don't care about the others at this time, but I said, okay, I'm going to do it because there is always a chance to do something, you know? The world is moving every day, 24 hours a day. It's like something is happening. And I think in this kind of, you know, really strong crisis in the world. I feel like we are all in a cocotte minute, like, you know, like we are all, you know, waiting for the moment we could start again, you know, yeah, everything, yeah. dancing, drinking, fucking, like, well, you know, okay. like, just live our lives in a very, like, naive way. So, so keep the naivety of everything and the insouciance of everything. But in the, time, in the same time, organize yourself to make it like, strong enough to, to make it happen like, successfully. Alexandre Matthews, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> Merci beaucoup, Godfrey. À bientôt.